join me in your Bible or Bible apps as we read from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning in the first verse. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be seen and praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your arms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. As we gather on this night, may your word go forth and land in our hearts that we might be ready for the journey ahead. Amen. About a week ago, as we were finishing up dinner, Anthony and I got into a conversation, rather benign conversation really, discussing some of the ongoing dynamics and divides in American politics. At one point, bless him, Anthony said something that hit me sideways. He didn't say anything wrong. 
But I found myself all of a sudden welling up with tears. And what came next was an outpouring, an outpouring of grief and rage and disappointment that stretches back years. I gave voice to a litany of moments etched in my heart and my mind, moments of deep pain, pain of personal failures and losses, pain over the state of our nation and society, pain over the broken creation at our own human hands. Pain over the failure of the church and the United Methodist Church in particular, the failure to collectively offer any counter narrative to the hatred, prejudice, and division among the human family, and instead, simply mirroring all of that in cruel and heartbreaking ways. I stood in my kitchen in that moment, slumped and folded over the sink filled with dishes, and I cried. The weight of all the losses and the grief of the past year, in particular, perhaps spilling out. And while none of what flooded into our kitchen in that moment was new to me, I don't think, even though I try, I don't think I'd really acknowledge just how deeply some of that grief dwelled. Maybe many of you, like me, find that your life and your responsibilities require you to suck it up, buttercup, <laughs> and just get on with it, whatever the it may be in your context. Perhaps it's caring for loved ones or running a business or managing health concerns or getting your work done, schoolwork or other work. Perhaps it's discerning through prayer and scripture a really important choice or action to take or a word to speak to a congregation or community. There are times when getting on with it is simply what must be done. There's rent to make or mouths to feed or people whose well-being depends on our showing up. And in order to keep going, to push through, we may repress the reality I think of this like tucking, tucking away the difficult things sometimes, tucking them away down into little compartments in my inner world, into a place where there are many drawers or boxes stored in a back 
corner for when I can decide or feel like I can open them up again. Sometimes it's necessary for us to push a painful or a damaging experience to the side for a while because it's simply too much for us to bear in the moment. But I confess that there are times when I think that if I open up one of those, one of those little boxes within, that I may not be able to recover. Regardless of why we may store things away, avoiding and even denying their pain, doing so can leave us hauling around bags and bags of unprocessed emotion. That baggage gets heavy. And carrying it can begin to affect the way we travel through our days. It can affect our proverbial gait, our shape. It can begin to cause strain and pain in all the joints and the connecting places in our bodies and our spirits. It can spawn resentment and hatred. It can affect our perceptions and our relationships, our overall health. Avoiding and denying things that are painful, difficult, can literally cause dis-ease. A well-known text, a wisdom text from Ecclesiastes teaches that there is a time for every purpose under heaven. And it is important for us to be thoughtful about when it is time to weep or to laugh to mourn, or to dance. A tendency in many church contexts is to rush to hope and to joy. Isn't that a beautiful impulse? But in doing that, the tendency is to continue to encourage without maybe meaning to avoidance of the painful stuff as though the acknowledgement of these things that we've tucked away would show some kind of lack of faith. But there is a time for mourning and for weeping. There is an appropriate time for lament. Our text from Joel says as much, quote, even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. 
The historical theme or context for the book of the prophet Joel is, guess what? A plague. A locust plague for Joel. It may not be locusts doing the damage, but we know something right now about the destruction of a plague living as we do among the multiple pandemics of COVID-19. Systemic racism and white supremacy. Of polarization and demonization. And rampant misinformation proffered as truth. Pause for just a moment to think of some of what these plagues have taken from us or have left us with. And Joel says, even now, Now is the time to cry out to God. We've been pushing. We've been keeping a stiff upper lip. We've been finding the silver linings. We've been being innovative and creative, making it work one way or another. We've been hustling and holding it together more or less for a long time. There's stuff from the last year, the last number of years, and across the span of our lives that we are lugging around. And on this Ash Wednesday, we are reminded that we don't have to. We're reminded that God will help us. We are reminded that we are dependent on God, that we need God to help us let it go. We're dependent upon God, that grace of God that has brought us through. We're reminded that it's the breath of God that animates the dust of our bodies and gives us life. We're reminded that it's the love of God that is both our merciful judge and our liberator. And today and through the coming days, the 40 days of Lent, the invitation is to self-examination that exposes and begins to empty the baggage that's doing damage or can. To be honest with ourselves, even if it causes pain, to confess, to repent, to feel what we feel be angry, sorry, and sad, 
and afraid. To return to the Lord your God, as Joel writes. For God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Our dependence upon God means we can let go our grip. We can stop holding it all together. We can allow our hearts to break. We can even fall apart because when we fall, God will be there to catch us, to hold on to us, to gather up the particles of dust that have become disintegrated and disoriented and to reshape and reform us. You may already have a plan for your Lenten observance this year. If it doesn't already include this, I would gently invite you to consider adding, identifying what it is that is lurking back in those recesses of your soul that need to come to light, to be released, to be given voice, to be given space, to be let go. Bring those things. The invitation is to bring those things into the space of prayer and lament over these coming days. If ever we needed this, if ever there were a time for it, I think it's right now. And try not to be afraid or to think, wow, this sounds awful. (laughs) But you can think that. Feel what you feel. But try not to be afraid. Sit long enough in the silence. Just stay with the discomfort long enough to let spirit reveal to you that which needs to be named, that which God wants to work with and to reveal and to transform. Our God will guard you tenderly all along the way. A blessing will be your reward. In the words of artist and poet Jan Richardson, to receive this blessing, all you have to do is let your heart break. Let it crack open. Let it fall apart so that you can see its secret chambers the hidden spaces where you have hesitated to go. Your entire life is here, inscribed whole upon your heart's walls, every path taken or left behind, every face you turned toward or turned 
away every word spoken in love or in rage, every line of your life you would prefer to leave in shadow, every story that shimmers with treasures known and those you have yet to find. It could take you days to wander these rooms, 40 at least. And so let this be a season for wandering, for trusting the breaking, for tracing the rupture that will return you to the one who waits, who watches, who works within the rending to make your heart whole. Your broken heart, your wounded heart, your weary and worn heart made whole. That's the promise. So let us begin. Mm-hmm.